Tzoraim Tov, we continue in the Haggadah with the commentary of the Masa Nisim of Rabbi Yaakov of Lissa. We were just finishing up the section of Holach Ma'anya, and there was one more question that we needed to answer. Why the double expression of Hashatahacha, now we are here, Lishon HaBo Ba'arad Yisrael, next year in Eretz Yisrael, now we are servants. Next year we'll be free people. Why the repetition? So he comes up with a very clever answer. And he said like this, there's a machlokas in the Talmud exactly when the future redemption will come. Will it come in the month of Tishrei? Will it come in the month of Nisan? That's one argument. There's another concept that we understand uh, it said in the Gemara Rosh Hashanah that six months before the Jews left Egypt the servitude stopped and the holy books tell us that uh, in the future when the final redemption will happen the great servitude will again stop six months beforehand now, you know, that's interesting. I'm sure during the Holocaust, Jews were figuring that they'd stop working six months before the redemption. That never worked out. To be all kinds of servitude that's going on. But either way, whether we're enslaved to another country, whether we're enslaved to our own Yates or Horus, whatever it is, but six months before, we will already no longer be slaves. So therefore based on the opinion that the redemption will come in Tishrei, so we are told the following. If the redemption is meant to come in, Tish, in Tishrei, and we're at the Seder right now, it's not coming this Tishrei. You know why? Because we're still slaves this Pesach, and you don't have the six-month gap. So what will happen is, <coughs> it will be the next Tishrei, will come the redemption. And that may mean that the Nisan before the next Tishrei will no longer be working. So considering that contingency, we could say now we are slaves, but hopefully next year we will not be slaves. <coughs> and if, on the other hand, the, uh, the freedom will come next Nisan, and will be totally redeemed, that means this Tishrei, it will stop the servitude. And then we say, now we're here, and next year we'll be in Eretz Yisrael. So no matter what, <coughs> we're trying to cover both bases and hope for that type of either <coughs> redemption from slavery or redemption completely and being in Eretz Yisrael. Okay, that ends the Halach Ma'anya discussion. And now we and now we are encouraged as this introduction to speak about Dagoda, even though we may not be in the best position. So now we move on to the Manishtana. And let's look at two questions on the Manishtana. First question is why did the rabbis want Dafka that there should be a question and answer? To the point that if you the child asks, and the rabbis say if there's no child, the wife asks, 
And if there's no wife, the person asks himself, what is the reason for all the questioning over here? And number two, this is the most more famous question, or both two famous questions, is why did they choose these four questions to things that are differences than the rest of the year? There are many other differences that we could have chosen. So why are these the ones that are chosen? So the Masanisim uh, offers the following answer. The whole fact that we have a mitzvah of telling over the Haggadah, it comes from the Pasuk, you will relate to your child saying, because of this, Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. What is this So we have later on in the Haggadah that tells us this from earlier sources, meaning when matzah and morar are in front of us. And that's how Rashi and the Chumash explains what bavur zeh means. In order that we can fulfill the mitzvahs of eating Pesach, matzah, umorar, okay, you have those, and they're mamish in front of you for these mitzvahs. So therefore we see from this that Hashem took us out of Egypt. They're going to say, why are we doing all this? They say, well, Hashem took us out so that we can celebrate because of this, this Pesach, this Matzah, this Morah, because we don't have a Pesach anymore, so Matzah and Morah. And Hashem took us out that we should explain what this is all about, which means to show us that Hashem wants us not merely to talk about the Exodus experience, but to speak about it with with a tam, with a flavor, with rationale. Look, there's a mitzvah over here. Why do we have this mitzvah over here? Why are we eating this matzah? Why are we eating this morar? There must be something deeper to the story. It's not just a question of leaving Egypt. We have to understand it's not just a question of finding independence. But there's so much more depth. And therefore, it has to be said with these items in front of us, and that makes the whole telling it a story much more impactful. So this really explains why we need the question and answer. Because we know that only if you have a question are you interested in the answer. If I can give, I, I try as much as possible and I give a partial class, not just to lecture, but first to start three or four questions. People say, wow, those are good questions. And I give you a chance to answer and you don't have an answer. And then you're saying, well, I don't understand. So now you've piqued my interest. So now please go ahead. And then the answer will go inside the person because he's looking for that answer. So the same thing over here, if it's merely telling over a story, blah, 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 blah. But it's not telling over the story. It's supposed to get into our bones. And almost, so to speak, we have to ingest it. We have to eat the story. And indeed, we eat the story. We have a matzah in front of us that we have to eat and we have to understand why we have the matzah. And the child asks why we have the matzah. We have more in front of us. Hashem took us out of Egypt not just to make a memorial day. Like in the secular world, people will take off for all the memorial days and they don't even spend time thinking about the days about. As long as it's a day off, I'm a day off. Okay, we have a Seder, okay? And we just, you know, go through the story and that's it. No, it's you've got to really internalize that message. And therefore, 
that is, uh, since that is the message of that's why Hashem took us out, there it has to be question and answer. It's not merely giving over information. Regarding the second question, why is matzah and mora chosen and the other two of reclining and dipping chosen as opposed to anything else? So he says, first of all, we understand the whole point is, as the Torah says, the mist is held over with matzah and mora in front of you. So obviously, there's got to be matzah and mora in front of us. And we don't eat matzah whole year long. We don't have mora whole year long. So this obviously... One of the, two of the questions. What if, and those two questions are regarding mitzvahs that are de'oraisa, biblical. The Torah says you're supposed to eat matzah. The Torah says eat more. Even though nowadays we don't have a corporate Pesach, so more is the Rabbonin, But it always was de'oraisa. It's initially biblically God said to do this. But then we add two more that are rabbinic in nature. Reclining, it doesn't say anywhere in the Torah you have to recline. The rabbi said you have to recline because you have to feel like you're ma- ma- majestic. The rabbi said you have to dip two times to also feel that majesty. So now we pick two differences that are biblical, two that are rabbinic, to show us that it doesn't make a difference. If Hashem told us to do it or the rabbis told us to do it, we still do it that's important. And that's what the child is going to notice this. Now, the commentaries ask, well, wait a minute. I can give you another example. What's another example of something that's much different on Pesach than every other night? What would you suggest is another question that children could ask? How come every other night of the year we don't do a certain thing, but this year we are doing, this day we're doing it? What's another noticeable thing we do at the Seder? Four cups of wine. Why aren't the four cups of wine mentioned over here? Okay, so it's very easy. When what we're really, the child is asking on things that he sees right now. He sees the matzah is on the table. It's a prominent place on the table. He sees the mar is on the table. And, we, and, and that's right in front of his eyes. Now, when is this question asked? After Kiddush. So, what have we done? We've reclined already, haven't we? We've reclined. And what else have we done? We did what? We dipped the karpas in salt water. So, the child already has seen the four things that are happening. Now, the four cups of wine, how much wine has he seen us drink? One. And in, in what form? Kiddush. Well, kids says all year long we make Kiddush. That's something unusual. He's not going to know the real differences till long. By the, he's probably asleep by then. Because the second cup of wine is oh, at least an hour later. The third and fourth are even later. So that he doesn't know. Now you may ask a question, but the dipping, dipping, he hasn't seen the second dipping. No, but at least the first dipping he did see. And that was a complete Dipping, that was one part of the Seder, karpas. Okay, so that is a whole, well, cups of wine, there's like totally nothing. So at least it's like one time we dipped. Okay, it's not perfect, but two times, okay. So if he just asked one, it still would show a difference. Um, and, you know, we could say the, the fact that he sees the charoses on the courses, what's this for? 
Like, what does he see? He sees, what's the charosis for? Charos, we're going to dip a second time. Okay. But when he sees the wine, he has no idea we're going to have four cups of wine. Although, although we could further inspect, we do pour a second glass of wine before he asks the question. But that could just be, you know, okay, we're going to have a meal. We're going to drink more wine. We're going to drink more. There's nothing. But once you go to four cups, that's really unusual. So that's uh, another answer. So we have to show respect for biblical mitzvahs and also rabbinic mitzvahs. Okay. That is the four questions that he has to comment on. So now we come to the answer. And this is a very core, central concept that the tzaddik is going to discuss. So what is the answer? Avodim hayinu lefaro b'mitzrayim. We were slaves to Paro Mitzrayim. V'yotzienu Hashem lokeinu misham, and Hashem took us out from that place, biyod chazaka, with a strong hand, uvizroa netuyan, an outstretched arm. And Hashem not taken us out of Egypt. Then we, our children and our grandchildren, we would be subjugated to power in Egypt. Even if we are all wise, intelligent, and elderly people, as we're smart enough, to understand what's at, what what the Seder's about, and we've lived long enough to see this and have been there, done that. Even Kulana Yodim is a Torah, and we know the Torah. So mitzvah leinu l'saper b'tzisrayim. There's still a mitzvah to relate the story. The more one speaks about Yitzchayim, the more praiseworthy it is. So. The Tzaddik asks on this piece five questions. I don't know if we'll get to all the answers. But the first question, and the most obvious question, is the child asked us four questions, right? Why the matzah? Why the more? Why the dipping? Why the reclining? Where's the answer? We just, no, we just said this. We just read the answer. Avodi Bayunal Apartments right. How is that the answer? How is that the answer? That explains why we eat matzah? Why we eat more? Why we recline? How does that answer the question? Now, imagine somebody asks you a question and you just start talking about other things. Now, of course, you could say, well, wait a minute. When we get to Rabban Gamliel Omer, that's way at the end of Haggadah. He says why we have matzah, why we have the Korban Pesach, and why we eat more. Okay, so we answer two of the questions, but that's way down the line. We don't answer about reclining. It's not there at all. We don't answer anything about the double dipping. It's not there at all. So it looks like the child asks good questions and we're not giving him an answer. That's such, such, such an obvious question, isn't it? You know, you should, you should, when your children ask the questions, you have to say to them, so let, tell, dear, what is, what are you really asking me? You, know, you don't want them to just say words. So what are you really asking? So you have to say, you know, 
what's the difference in this and that? Now you're going to say the answer. So you're going to tell the kids, okay, so what was the answer I gave you? And they're going to say, well, the answer is Hashem took us out of Egypt. So then you say, so how would it, how did I answer your question? Now do you know why? You understand? You just can't say, you ask a question, there's the answer. Well, the answer makes sense. Just the fact that Abba read six word lines out of that gutter, that means, okay, now everything's fine. No. That means if the child's happy with your answer, that means they're not thinking, they're just going through the motions, and hopefully you're not. And you don't want them to go through the motions. So they have to know, they, first of all, they have to know when they're asking Hashem, they are asking a question. Not saying words, not performing. So what is the question? Why does Hashem insist we eat matzah today and we can't have hummus? Why do we have more? Why do we recline? Why? Do, why? And, and this is your answer? Hashem took us out of Egypt? So what's the answer? That's question number one. Question number two, if you look carefully, the answer says, Avodim hayinu, we were servants. Okay, now, ha, then later on, and had Hashem not taken us to Egypt, we, our children, our grandchildren would, what's the next word? Or two words? Would blank to paramitrime. Tell me the blank. And if, look, again, fill in the blank. Had Hashem not taken us out of Egypt, then we, our children and grandchildren, would be blank to Paramitzrayim. Fill in the blank. Slaves. That's not the word it uses. It says mishubadim, subjugated. That's not slaves. So now you're not consistent in the answer. Question number three. What would it be missing if we would say Hashem, if you say we were slaves, if I would say the following, tell me what I'm doing wrong. We were slaves of Hashem. And Hashem took us out of there. And had Hashem not taken us out, we would still be enslaved. Am I missing any information? No. You also No, no, but I'm reading what the Haggadah says. So why, after the words, and Hashem took us out from there, why do we add four words? Biyot chazakah, a strong hand, and a zroi in the an outstretched arm. What do we need that for? He took us out. I read it for you, and you thought, that's okay. It's a detail. What do we have to put in a detail? He took us out. That's not good enough. Third question. Fourth question. It says, we're saying, well, if Hashem didn't take us out, we would still be subjugated. Really? I know of a lot of countries in the world. Let's start with the United States of America. Were there black people slaves in America? Mm -hmm. Yes? Did Hashem take them out of slavery? Did he? No. They followed the example. Who took them out of slavery? Lincoln. How did he know to do it? So if Lincoln could take the blacks out of slavery, couldn't another kind of Lincoln have taken the Jews out of slavery in Egypt? We're saying, had Hashem not taken us out, oh, we'd still be subject. I know from history that's not so. How could we be so sure? 
Good question. And finally, why can't we just say Avodim Hoyu Bimitzrayim? We were slaves in Egypt. Why do you say Liparo? So we could have written like this Avodim Hayunu Bimitzrayim, number one. Finished. We could leave out the word paro. We could leave out with a with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. And the next line, had Hashem not taken us out, we would still be there. I don't know about that. So the whole thing has full of questions. Excellent questions. And this is this piece now is one of the building block pieces. We've already had one where the whole idea of saying over that God we said is Hashem's kindness to us. That that which we would have done anyway, he gives us a mitzvah for this. And that Hashem is so pleased with what we do. That was building block number one. Now here comes building block number two. And he says, believe it or not, the answer is in this text to their question. The first question, where's the answer? The answer is here. Now you got to remember, primarily, but not only, okay, who is this answer for? Well, we could say the children that they don't yet understand the depths of mitzvahs or for people who are not that scholarly I mean obviously the Talmud Chacham isn't asking he knows and he probably knows a little bit more but we'll see and so what's happening well a bunch of things were there and, and it's concealed from us why we do this and guess what do you think these are the only things that we do as Yidden that Jews don't understand why we do it wouldn't you say there's a lot of things in Yiddishkeit that we do, and if you're really even a from Jew, and we say, why do you do this? Do they know the real reason? There's books about it. What? The book of why. Uh, it, but th- there's books about it, but, but, to, but to the regular people, they don't know. And therefore, and what happens if a person doesn't understand why you should do something? Are they motivated to do it? Sometimes not. Why do I got to do all this? doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand why I'm doing this. So therefore, we're starting in the Magi. It's still instruction. The answer is that the Torah gave us an overall answer for all mitzvahs. For overall mitzvahs. That we have to do mitzvahs that Hashem gave us even if we don't understand the reasons. And he gives a good argument why. It's worth it to go out of Egypt so we can get laws and decrees from Hashem even though we don't understand it. And don't tell me that you can't do things you don't understand. You know why? Because Avadim Hayinu, not just Lemitzrayim, Leparo Bimitzrayim. As servants of Paro, Paro made a decree. A lot of decrees. One was the men have to do ladies' work and the ladies have to do men work. Do you understand that? No. Did anybody refuse? Did anybody refuse? No, because you got killed if you refused. Oh, so I see you can do mitzvahs that you don't understand, right? If a king makes a decree. So that answers our fifth question. Why does it say, Leparo mi mitzrayim? Because you listened to somebody even though you didn't understand it. 
And Hashem took us out from there. That why? That we should have the privilege to be servants of the king of all kings. And it's worth it to receive instructions from a king without knowing the reasons for one who loves us and took us out of Egypt. Paro suckers us up. It's like Lahavdol. Lahavdol. Adolf Hitler put you in Holocaust camps. Is it you're going to do the following? Nonsensical jobs. Did you argue? No, you can't. Now, the guy who takes you out of that and it's going to take you to Eretz Yisrael and it's going to do so many good things for you even though you didn't deserve it. And then he asks you to do something you don't understand. Are you going to say, I don't understand it and therefore I'm not going to do it? We see even if you don't understand, you do it when somebody you hate is making you do it. Certainly someone who loves you has to explain. And this is the answer to the question. You say, you say to your children, what's the answer? The answer is, God said. we don't need to have an answer. Oh, I find that hard to do things that I don't understand, really. And when you're at work or when you're at school and you got to do things you don't understand, when you have to pay taxes for my, why am I paying taxes when you're giving free money as reparations to black people because they're, uh, that somebody was black once suffered. Why do I have to give money for you to fight a war in Ukraine that I don't believe in? Well, you don't get, I'm not paying the taxes. I don't understand why you get thrown into jail. And therefore you pay taxes. You know one thing, did Hashem take us out of Mitzrayim? Was it a good thing to take us out of Mitzrayim? Yes. You think Hashem's a little smarter than you? Yes. Do you have to understand everything that Hashem understands? Oh, but it's hard for you to understand. But you did it for Paro. And there's a God who loves you. So that is the the, the non-answer is the answer. Why do I have to do all this? You know what, my son, you may it might be hard for you to understand right now. When you'll get older, you'll understand. Right now, we have trust in the God who loves us. And if we are able to answer to do things we don't understand because we have to. But here's a God who loves you, so certainly you will want to do this. And this is, and that's why it says, Hashem took us out with a Yad Chazaka Ubizroa Natuya. Why do we add that? Couldn't it say he took us out? But this is the greatest kindness that Hashem did that isn't anything greater than that. Because we, we benefited so much by the fact that Hashem took us out in that way. As opposed to Paro just deciding to send us out. Or things just worked out that way. Why? Because he's doing this in order to pre preserve us forever. Later on in the Torah when it talks about how we tell over the whole story, and it says, Hashem took us out, Litov lanu yomim. Should be good for us all these days. And before that, it says that Hashem did wonders and miracles, and he punished Paro, all for our benefit. And what is this really meaning? It's meaning, and then Hashem commanded us through the mitzvahs. The Torah is telling us, Hashem is telling us through mitzvahs, and he took us out in such a powerful way, it was all for our benefit. And because it's all for our benefit, you should want to do it. Now, why is this so much for our benefit? 
because the Jews could have got out in a lot of ways. Lincoln could have freed us. But that doesn't mean anything. And even if Hashem did it behind the scenes, but that doesn't make the world know that Hashem has pinned all his honor on us. Because they're Jews, and they happen to get out. But Hashem did it. He invested skin in the game. And when he did that, why is he doing it? He's saying, these are my children. I'm going out of my way to distort the laws of nature, to flip them upside down because I love the Jewish people and they are my people. He has publicly said, I'm invested in them. And therefore, what will happen if in the future, the Jews go into exile? And the future non-Jews are going to hurt us. That would be the greatest chilo kavod Hashem. That could ever happen to, to Hashem. And therefore, he's saying, you see how invested I am in you? And therefore, I have to keep helping you. Now, let's say, let's say Hashem got us out, but behind the scenes. And he didn't really invest. Let's say Hashem put it into Paro's minds to let us leave. Okay, now if we do bad things, does Hashem have to take us back to save us? He didn't demonstrate his public declaration that we're his people. So now God's kind of on the hook with us. He's stuck with us forever. Because he already committed himself publicly. These are my people. What's going to look if we're not good? Now, sometimes, though, we're not worthy. Even in Egypt, we weren't worthy except for the merit of the patriarchs. Otherwise, we wouldn't have gone out. Hashem owed a favor. He He had to do what he had to do. But what's going to happen... In the future, which has happened, where the merit of the patriarchs ends and the Jews are terrible. And then what should Hashem say? Hashem could say, well, not my fault. I don't owe you anything. I paid back the patriarchs. I took you out. I did it in a way that power let you go. And now you're bad, so you're bad. Finish. I don't want to no, know. But Hashem took us out with a strong hand. He's saying, I'm invested in them. These are my people. They represent me. They represent my honor. And that means that even if things are worse now and we don't even deserve to be saved, Hashem has to save us. We listen to Paro. Hashem, we got to listen to you. You know why? You don't understand why? Because he's always going to be there for us. He has a long-term commitment for us. Even though he knew when he took us out, we would be not such good people. And we know we even would say, let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to Egypt. Now, what would have happened if the Jews would have gone back to Egypt? Think about this. What would have they would have gone back to Egypt? Probably would say, now you're coming back. Now you got to stay First time, I suckered you in. This time, you're coming back on your own? So now, the first time, we were avodim hayinu lepar. He did it. But if we come back on our own, then you know we're not avodim anymore. We are mishubadim. We are now subjugated. Because we have invited ourselves back. That's why in the beginning we said avodim hayinu. We didn't want to be. But had Hashem not taken us out, then what would have happened if Hashem wouldn't have taken us out? Well, when we sinned, we'd say, let's go back to Egypt. So we say, okay, go back to Egypt. 
But now that Hashem took us out, he had to say, well, they said, well, let's go back to Egypt. We don't have any water. Hashem said, I got to give you water. I got to give you this. I got to give you this. I got to make sure. So had I not been involved and take you out, you never would have gotten out. And therefore, we have no, no excuse. And now that when we're in the Gullus, no matter how bad we are, Hashem has to always keep helping us. And therefore, even though they could be prosecutors, we know for sure that Hashem is going to help us. Okay, we're going to have to stop it here. There's a bit more to explain in this mitzvah, in this parish, but we've covered a good chunk in how vital this is.